everybody. It's Tay. I'm here today with Dean Bernard. He's had over 20 years of experience in health regulation, and he's here today to kind of drop some wisdom on us uh, on what to do um, when you're when you're facing accusations, um, regulation, and what that means for the PSW, and basically the nitty gritty stuff that we don't, at least I don't know enough about, and. I feel like a lot of us out there don't know enough about it. And then once we're stuck in a situation, you're stuck and you don't know where to turn and you don't know what to do. And, you know, for some people as well, you can't rely on solely your employer. You need extra help. So Dean's going to drop some, some enlighten us a little bit on sort of these heavier subjects. And uh, I'll pass it along to you, Dean, to do your own little intro here. And then we can dive into it. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Tay, and and thanks for having me. I'm I'm really uh, really pleased to be here and happy to talk to uh, to everybody. Um, I guess just to give you a little background on me, um, so you don't think I'm just some guy who's decided to hold himself out as a as an expert or something. Um, so Tay's right. I've I've been involved in uh, in regulation. I think my uh, I, my first job in professional regulation was with the College of Nurses of Ontario back in. Uh, uh, just in the beginning, I think January of 2000. So I've got about, I've been involved in regulatory work for about 22 years and um, actually coming up on 23, I guess. And uh, and pr prior to that, I was a police officer. And prior to that, I was a registered nurse working in ICU and eMERGE. So um, I kind of moved from sort of one thing to the next. Um, long story behind all of those transitions. But uh, but once I got into working at the College of Nurses, I started as an investigator and relatively shortly thereafter managed the investigations team. Um, I kind of fell in love with professional regulation because I really believe that it, it's a it's an important aspect of, uh, of what we do to keep the public safe um, and to set guidelines for professionals in terms of what's expected. And uh, and so after working there for about four or five years, I started my company, Bernard & Associates, in 2004. And, um, and Bernard & Associates is a company that focuses on investigations and mediation. We like to think of ourselves as a conflict resolution uh, company because we help both in regulatory world and workplace. Uh, we do workplace investigations uh, as well. Our, our goal really is to try to help organizations and people find resolution to issues. And so um, we've been involved in that as well, doing that kind of work since about 2007. So um, you know, my background is, uh, is, is that regulation and to me is, you know, it's really important. And it's something that uh, I feel like I've um, spent the, the majority of my career uh, doing. So uh, any chance I get to have a conversation like this and to share a little information with people and hear you know, hear what other people think, um, I'm all over it. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm really happy to have you here because as someone who's, you know, I've went through majority of my career very smoothly in terms of not running into any bumps. Um, but as a lot of people know, I have run into a bump recently and it's, it was a very big eye opener for myself. Um, in terms of conflict resolution and where to turn when, you know, problems come up at work and all of a sudden you're in this position where you kind of need to navigate the situation for yourself. Um, I need a lot of education in this as well. I don't know enough either. And I know shortly before that we, we hit record on this, we were talking about different avenues that you can take different, you know, supports that are in place 
for the PSW when conflict arises. So I was wondering if we could just even start by going right to the basics and not just for our viewers, but for me, myself, we were talking about, you know, what your union does, you know, the employer, where else you could turn. And for me, when I hit my bump, that was with OBSWA and I had no idea, you know, how, how many people could be in your corner just with your association alone. So could we kind of just dive into that a little bit and pick that apart and maybe have you explain, you know, when you're faced with a conflict as a PSW, what would be the starting point? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, happy to do it. I, I think we, you know, I'll start first by talking a little bit about, you know, the main the main supports that are out there and who those supports are out there for. And so when we think about um, any kind of uh, a profession and, and you know, PSWs now are moving into this, you know, this realm where they are looking at regulation and they are going to be regulated in a different way than they ever have been. Um, the question is, what do the different organizations do? So we have associations like OPSWA. We have unions, and there's many different unions that represent uh, PSWs in different workplace settings. And then we have the regulator. And so well, the regulator for PSWs, of course, is going to be the, the Health and Supportive Care Oversight Authority. And that's something that is still really in the works, right? It's, I know I know that it exists, but it takes an awfully long time uh, for them to develop all of their regulations and their bylaws and their policies and the things they need to do to really be functioning. And so I, I would I, I don't have any inside information on this, but I would imagine it, it will take months to years before that organization is fully operational. Um, but I can talk in general about what's the role of these different organizations. So when you think about, let's start with an association. When you think about an association, um, the association is there as an advocate for the, for the profession, right? They're there to advocate for, you know, individuals within the profession. They provide support. That could be educational support, mental health support. It could be, you know, support around, um, helping to advance the profession, to, to bring about awareness and advocate for the profession at large. Often associations um, offer insurance programs and things like that so that, you know, when you run into problems, and hopefully you don't, but if you do, um, when you run into problems, you've got some insurance coverage that can assist you. Um, associations are really there as the advocate for the profession and the members of the profession. Uh, unions are there really for they they do sort of enter into the area of advocacy on a larger scale like you know they're a stakeholder that would be consulted in the event of a major potential change to legislation for example and everybody wants to get the union's perspective on it but the union's real role in terms of you as the individual is they're they're really there for the workplace they're the advocate for the worker in the workplace and their role should be to uh, ensure that workers are treated fairly, workers are treated uh, with respect, um, you know, and so, so really you've got the association, which is sort of the bigger, broader sort of profession advocate, and then you've got the union, which is more the employee, employee advocate, and, you know, and then we have the regulator, and the regulator, one of the common misconceptions around regulators is that there's a belief that somehow the regulator is there to do something for you, for you as the member of the profession, but the reality is, and they do do things for the members, but the reality is their mandate is public protection. So their, their role is to ensure that the public is protected. And they usually do this, you know, most regulators do this through sort of four, four key 
uh, areas or four, there's sort of four pillars. One would be entry to practice. So it would be the regulator that would determine what is required for you to be a member of that profession. And part of that as well as exams. And so that oftentimes the regulator is responsible for setting exams for entry to practice. Now with PSWs, that may not, that may not be how it goes because they're, you know, way back in 2000, I think it was around 2006, there was a request made to an organization called HPRAC, which is the Health Professionals uh, Regulatory Advisory Council. Um, and HPRAC are sort of the, that's the group that would look and decide, should an organization be regulated under the, the Regulated Health Professions Act, like nurses and doctors and dentists and dental hygienists and so on. And they recommended that PSWs not be regulated as self-regulated profession. And so that led, of course, to well, the issue was frankly, I, I, I think, ignored for a long time. And then, uh, you know, more recently, of course, which all everything coming out as a result of the pandemic and all the horror stories that we heard um, led, of course, to changes. And it led to the, uh, you know, to the to bill one or bill 283 and then to the uh, health and supportive care oversight authority concept. And and so their role will will likely be because even even it's even unsure how that's going to go right i mean they they may be vol maybe more of a voluntary participation as opposed to mandatory you know in in ontario if you're a let's just use nursing as an example you can't be a nurse in ontario unless you're registered with the college of nurses of ontario you just can't do it if you're doing it without being registered you're breaking the law and you know, I don't think that's how they're going to regulate PSWs. At least that's not what it's sounding like. And so, um, but but they will still dictate standards of practice. So, so you know, this is one of the, so I, I mentioned the four sort of core areas. So one is entry to practice. The other one is standards of practice. So what are the standards? What, what are the things that are expected of you as a member of a profession? Um, they would set those standards. And then, of course, they have a complaints and discipline section. So when somebody makes a complaint, somebody gets terminated from, a, from employment for reasons of professional misconduct or incompetence, if that's the allegation, then the regulatory body would investigate that to determine whether or not that individual, you know, needs remediation or maybe shouldn't even be in the profession. So, you know, I don't want to sound like it's all scary because... The vast majority of people that get investigated by a regulatory body simply learn from the experience and continue on in their profession. There, there are extreme examples, of course, where people get, you know, literally revoked from, from being in the profession, but those people are revoked because mainly because uh, they've done something and been proven to have done something, you know, quite horrible, like, you know, a sexual abuse of a client or, or physical abuse of a client, those kinds of things. The vast majority of people that you know we all make mistakes and and so the vast majority of people it's it's more of a remedial type of approach to helping them to not make that same mistake again so um and then finally qa quality assurance so you know these regulatory bodies are responsible for ensuring that the people that are members of the profession remain competent by you know, they do various and they all do various things sometimes they have you have to put a portfolio together of the education you've done each year, or sometimes there's tests, there's different ways in which they go about it. So these four areas are the things that the regulator does to make sure that the members of the profession are, you know, the, the public is protected, and the members of the profession are qualified and remain qualified, and remain accountable, um, you know, to to the to the public. So that that's I, I'm rambling now, but that's that that's 
pretty much the um, the gist of what uh, of what uh, a regulator does. And with 158, I think it's 158 or 159,000 PSWs um, in the province of Ontario, you know, if if they were all to be regulated, that would make them the second largest health health regulated group um, potentially in the country, definitely in Ontario. Um, it's, it's huge. I mean, think about the number of PSWs that, that, that are out there. I mean, you know, nurses, I think they're in around the 175 to 180,000 mark between RPNs and RNs. And then PSWs are right behind them at 158,000. And that's, that's a huge group of people to, to regulate. And, um, and that's probably why they're starting maybe with more of a voluntary regulation to try and, you know, ease into it. And so once that starts happening and they start engaging in the regulation, well, then the association and the unions will both have a role to play in sort of making sure that they're advocating on behalf of the PSWs and, you know, working hopefully cooperatively, you know, with this new regulatory uh, organization to uh, ensure that everybody's happy, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the, the regulator needs to make sure that they're giving proper guidance and and to the individuals that they regulate you can't expect people to perform to a certain standard if you don't make it clear what that standard is and so that's probably a lot of the work that's going on right now they're looking at putting all of they're probably putting all of that together so that they can you know introduce this to the to the PSW community and uh, people will understand what's expected of them and can i guess then make a decision about whether they're going to join uh, not join, but they're going to register themselves with that organization. So basically what I'm getting from this is that it's also just kind of another tool in the toolbox for us. And I think that a lot of people, or there's a common misconception that regulation means that like, it's just the hammer down. You do one thing wrong. That's it. Like you're going to be investigated. And as you just said, like you know, you're, you're gone, you're done, but that's not really the case, you know, like you are actually, you're going to get looked at, you know, your case is going to get looked at, which may be helpful for a lot of us because a lot of us too, there is this, you know, narrative that whoever is making a complaint about you. So for example, in long-term care, if a resident makes a complaint about you, a lot of people from what I've known or heard of feel that, you know, if the resident makes a complaint about you, that's um, the resident's word against yours. And, you know, most likely the resident's word's going to hold up over the PSW. So with regulation as well, they would come in and kind of play a role as to, you know, dissecting the situation and actually getting to the bottom of things. Would that be a correct understanding or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, that um, you know, regulators, they have, that's why they have investigators. That's why they hire companies like ours to do investigations for them, to gather the information so that, you know, informed decisions can be made. Um, It should never be looked upon that just because somebody makes a complaint that it's automatically going to be, well, if it's, if it's one person's word against the other, then, you know, the the PSW loses. Um, That, that should never be what happens there, there needs, you know, regulatory investigations processes, you know, if they're done, if they're done well, and I I would argue that they're done, they are done quite well. um, You know, it starts off by, it's scary, right? Right off the bat, it's scary, because immediately people are like, Oh, my God, I could lose my job, I could lose my profession, I won't be able to to practice. The reality is, is that it's probably, and, and I'm just 
I'm, I'm not, I can't be quoted exactly on this, but I would say it's probably like, you know, 1% of people that, you know, generally that get complained about that might fall into that trap or that situation of where they could lose their, their license or registration. The thing is, the individuals that tend to fall into that category are people who are alleged to have done pretty horrible things, you know, yeah. sexual abuse, physical abuse, theft, um, you know, ne total neglect, um, you know, for the most part, you know, when a complaint is made, the regulator is, the regulators, a lot of people have this misconception that regulators just want to get rid of people who are in the profession, but they don't. They want to, all they want to do is make sure that the profession, the people that practice the profession are practicing it safely and the public is protected. And the vast majority of time that can be achieved through education. In fact, I would argue that, and again, these aren't statistics, I can't quote you hard hard statistics on this, but I'm willing to bet just off the top of my head that well over half of the of the complaints that are made aren't even substantiated or supported. So nothing's done. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then the ones where something is done, it's usually a, a gradation of, of steps. So it might be, well, we're going to issue you a letter that to tell you that in the future, this is the, you know, so maybe they're going to, person might get what's called a letter of caution to say, you know, in the future, when faced with these same circumstances, this is this is not the way to do it. This is the way to do it. Um, you know, or they might issue um, an oral caution where you go and you talk. They talk to you, and you know, you meet with with uh, with the regulator who will then uh, again try to impress upon you, you know, what you need to learn from this situation. Right. Sometimes in in health professions uh, under the Regulated Health Professions Act, they can do a thing called a skirt, which is a, it's a fancy acronym for specified continuing education and remediation program. What that means is they can say, go take this course and this course, and we're going to monitor your practice for three months. And the person, you know, so, so no one's losing their job. No one's, I mean, it's scary because that's what goes to your mind right away. Oh my God, I'm complaining about it. I, I don't want to lose my career. Um, but if you're not doing horrible things to people, the vast majority are going to simply learn from the experience um, and, and move on. And, um, you know, I, I think it's still something to be taken seriously, but it isn't something that people have to worry that um, they don't have to live in fear of, um, you know, the, the, and, and really when the regulator sets standards, um, I think in that respect, it helps the person who's being regulated because they understand what's expected of them and it's clear. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, when you think about it, historically PSWs take all their direction from their employer, right? Their employer sets the policies and the guidelines and how things are going to be done. And, you know, hopefully those policies and guidelines are appropriate and reasonable. Uh, but when they aren't, what do you do? Well, if you're unionized, maybe you talk to your union. If you're not unionized, Maybe you seek advice from your association, um, you know, but what happens when you're regulated is you can actually contact your regulator and you can say, here's the situation I'm faced with in my employment setting. You know, I don't feel that what they're asking me to do is in line with what you have set as a standard to do. And I need your advice. And the regulator will give advice around that. Right. So, so that's one of the nice things about a regulatory regime is that is that that takes precedence. You know, the employers are expected to operate, you know, 
and, and to, to, to set standards that are consistent with what the provincial regulator says they ought to be. And so that's really in, in large for PSWs, that should be something that they would welcome because that's going to create consistency. So all employment settings should have a much more consistent approach to the standards, policies, and guidelines and what they expect from their employees, their, particularly their PSWs. So it's holding employers kind of accountable as well. It is. I mean, they don't regulate the employer, but they certainly, um, you know, the employer, you know, when you think about it, like if you look at nursing, for example, you know, employers, most employers have uh, professional practice leaders that are very well aware of what the College of Nurses standards are. And then policies and procedures that are created internally typically mirror what the College of Nurses has created, you know, because great, a great deal of time and effort and expertise goes into creating those standards. And, and there's also stakeholder consultations around the creation of standards. And it's all, it's a real collaborative effort. So it would be foolish for an employer to, to try and set a standard internally that doesn't, that isn't consistent with what the regulator is suggesting. And so, um, and they're not suggestions anyway, <laughs> you know, so, so it, it, that's where you can sometimes run into a challenge is you're, you know, let's say you're a nurse, for example, or let's look forward to the PSW, you're a PSW, you're operating to your standard, but your employer wants you to do something that, that isn't to that standard. And that can sometimes put you in a difficult spot. But the nice thing is, is you can say to your employer, Hey, look, you know, I understand you want me to do this, but my professional regulator says I need to do this. And and so, you know, I, I need you to help me reconcile why you want me to do this, but my regulator says I need to do this. And I want, I want us to talk about this and make sure that we're all on the same page. And, you know, so in, in a sense, that, that can be a helpful, uh, a helpful thing. And I'm, I'm going to apologize right now. You may hear some funny noises, uh, snoring or snorting. It's my bulldog. My English bulldog just walked into the room. It's going to make some noises. So I'll apologize I for that. I saw the door open quietly and I was like, oh, who's that? <laughs> yeah. Her name just is Coco. Door, She's right? quite a piece of work. <laughs> Coco? Coco, yes. Oh, I love that. Coco <laughs> just opened the door and came in. She wants to be a part of the show, eh? That's right. <laughs> That's adorable. So I guess... I'm a big fan of regulation. I have been for a long time. When I was in college in 2016, we were talking about how, you know, regulation's coming. And now here we are in 2022 and we're still like regulation's coming. But, you know, there has been, I think, a good chunk of us that have welcomed it. And then a lot of people that were a little bit hesitant when it came to it. So I'm hoping that this kind of sheds some light as well, because I'm not saying all employers, but some employers do try to take advantage of situations, right? As we all have learned. And regulation basically is another thing in our corner to say, nope, you can't actually do this. Nope, that's actually not correct. And kind of, I don't know, it's it, it's almost kind of empowering for the PSW, not another avenue that's going to beat us down, which I think a lot of people misunderstand or have this misconception about but I guess if I had another question too, until regulation comes, how would you, I don't know, what, what would be your advice to someone that's going through a complaint right now or maybe a spicy situation at work right now? What, what would be your piece of advice? Where should they turn to first? How would they navigate that? You know, there's things that you should and shouldn't say. And especially, you know, with social media too, like you got to, you have to be wise about things. So 
what would you say to those of us out there still trying to get by without regulation? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I guess I could say about that. I mean, I think the first thing, you know, the old saying about an ounce of prevention uh, being worth a pound of cure. And I think that the first thing is to really ask yourself, um, you know, am I, am I engaging in any kind of an activity that, that would justify a complaint? Um, you know, and, and I mean, we all have to look at ourselves, honestly. I mean, even I, as an investigator, you know, I teach investigation courses and I, I talk to investigators about, you know, how it's so important not to cut corners. It's so important to, you know, be, be unbiased when you do these things. So I'm always emphasizing the things that we can easily fall into a trap of, of doing things that can, be if they aren't actually harmful, they can be perceived as harmful. So the first thing we want to do is be very careful. You know, same with social media. Like, you know, oftentimes people don't, there's been many, many professionals in many different professions who've gotten themselves in a lot of trouble because of, because of their social media and the things that they might post or say. Um, so prevention is the first thing. But if you do find yourself in a situation where, you know, there's been a complaint against you, one of the first things I would do is really ask myself, okay, did I do this? Did I do this? And how serious is it? And, and because, you know, and I know this is going to sound a bit odd, but sometimes just saying, yeah, you know what? Um, I could have handled that better. And here's what I've learned from it. And here's how I'm going to do things differently going forward. Um, I see, sometimes I will see, you know, a, a complaint come in against a, a regulated professional and, you know, it's a relatively, and I'm not trying to minimize any complaint, but there are obviously going to be complaints that are on a spectrum, on a scale where, you know, some are a one and some are a 10. And, you know, you look at something that's a one or a two and, you know, I'll see, you know, advocates like lawyers, for example, um, you know, fighting tooth and nail, um, you know, trying to make arguments that, you know, well, there's procedural arguments that, or there's, or there's arguments that the person didn't do it. And, 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 and of course, if a person really truly didn't do something, then that's a different story. But when it's a minor thing and you realize you could have done it a little differently, sometimes the easiest thing to do is to just acknowledge that and move on. And because, you know, nobody wants to get rid of you. Nobody wants to see you stop doing what it is you're doing. They just, you know, so there's, there's sometimes other those learning moments, but if it's a situation where you're accused of something that you absolutely did not do, and or it's being completely blown out of proportion, you know, the first thing I would say is you, you need to you need to try and get some sort of help. And it's hard, it's hard because if you're unionized, then I would go to your union and expect that your union will provide you with some level of advocacy uh, to help you through that process. Um, if you're a member of, of the association, then, you know, and you have insurance through the association, then, you know, I imagine that you also have access to legal advice. And so take advantage of that. I mean, I would not be, I would not be, you know, uh, what's that old expression flying without a net or doing the trapeze without a net. Um, everybody needs a net is you never know what someone might accuse you of. And so, uh, you know, I think that one important thing would be become a member of your association. You know, if you don't, especially if you don't have a union, become a member of your association, get the insurance, you know, your association can provide you with advice. The insurance can help you if you need it to assist you with legal fees and legal costs to, you know, to, and there's a lot of great lawyers out there that do, that, that support and, um, uh, and advocate on behalf of professionals who are accused of complaints. And a lot of times those lawyers are not, 
necessarily trying to argue the merits of a case. They're just making sure the process is fair and the right thing happens. And so, you know, I think that if you're not unionized and you're not a member of the association, then, you know, become a member of the association and get that insurance. It's it's worth it, you know, and I'm not, <laughs> this isn't a paid advertisement. I just, I just think that, you know, where else are you going to go? Because if you're going to go it alone, if you don't have a union and you're not part of the association and you're now being accused of something, there's no regulatory body, a regulatory body, they will make sure the process is fair, or at least they should make sure the process is fair and treat you with fairness. And, and, and that is, I mean, it's a hallmark of, we do 300 plus in regulatory investigations a year at our company. And, and the expectation, we have seven investigators working full-time on regulatory investigations and paramount is that those investigators conduct these investigations with principles of fairness in mind all the time. And, um, and so, you know, if you don't have any of that, if you're not being investigated by a regulator and it's, you know, you don't have a union, you don't have an association, you really are working without a net and, you know, who are you going to go to for help? So I think you have to make sure you've got help in your corner and being a member of an association would would probably be your 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 first best step uh, to to protect yourself. That was a great. If that was an ad, that would have been a great ad. But that was a <laughs> genuine. That was a genuine piece of advice that involved Obswa, which honestly I stand by myself because I needed them and they were there for me too. And yeah, I think that was that's great. Just because I know a lot of people, it's them versus their employer. And it's, you know, it's the worker that is belittled all the time. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, with our salaries as well, we don't have a lot of money to hire a lawyer or, you know, buy extra help, but your employer has a lot of resources. So it becomes sort of this weird dynamic where it's you against your powerful employer and people don't know where to turn and, you know, you do see those rants on social media that they're dropping names, they're breaking confidentiality, and it's just like you're digging a hole for yourself even deeper in some instances. Some instances, it's great because you're advocating and that's great. Some instances, it's spicy and you're not doing what you should be. So I'm really glad you kind of said that, that you know what, you will probably have to look for help. You can't really, I don't think, fight these things alone. There's too many legalities involved too. And when things get really nasty, you know, people like to dive into the nitpick nitty gritty legalities that they can hold you to. So basically, you know, as you said, getting a lawyer or just relying on your association or your union is probably your best step as a first step, right? Yeah. And, and also think, you know, think before you speak, um, you know, be cautious about what you say. Don't don't talk to anybody and everybody about, oh my God, I've been complained about and start talking to all your coworkers about it. Don't, you know, keep these things, play your cards close to your chest, you know, be very careful about what you say. Um, you know, ask for time to think before, you know, like the, there are a lot of a lot of tactics. And I'm not, I'm not trying to paint the employer as as the bad guy because I mean employers have an absolute boatload of regulations that they need to abide by, right? The Ministry of Health, for example, in every long-term care home, um, they can have Ministry of Health inspectors come in. There can be 
you know, they have to comply with Ministry of Labor um, regulations, Ministry of Health regulations. I mean, they, they've got a lot that they have to do. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, frustration builds with trying to stay compliant. When somebody maybe makes a misstep, um, there can be a bit of an overreaction sometimes. And so uh, it, it's it's important to, to be very careful not to be part of that overreaction, to be calm, take a step back, you know, ask yourself where you can get some advice. And, um, you know, and I don't know, I mean, obviously, uh, obviously people who, um, when, when, when an employer or a, a person being cared for points the finger of blame, I think that, uh, it's it's uh, it's again a very scary situation for somebody, and if they don't have anyone to advocate for them, uh, they, they they the first step is to find somebody to advocate for them and stay quiet in the meantime. Be very cautious about what you say. I mean, again, you, you don't want to refuse to have a conversation, but you know I've heard of situations where an employer will you know uh, bring somebody into a room, uh, sit them down, you know hit them with this complaint and expect them to respond to it in the right then and there. If that was a regulatory investigation, it would never happen like that. A regulator would not do an investigation in that way. You know, a person being accused of something would know what they're being accused of before they're ever asked to speak about it. And in many cases, regulators don't even um, force you to speak. You, 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 you don't have to, you can provide a response in writing. Uh, to most regulators, you can, you know, and that's where, you, and then you can seek help. You can get somebody to advocate for you to help you put that response in writing. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of protections built into the process, but yeah, in an employment setting, it, it's it's not so easy. And you know, the bigger some of the bigger employers in this in the in the healthcare sector, um, you know, they understand a little bit more sometimes the the way to do things and. Um, I mean, there will always be those rogue people that uh, make a decision to do something that wasn't well thought through, um, and, and even in a big organization. But uh, you know, it's the small organizations sometimes that are that are they don't they don't themselves don't sometimes know what to do when there's a problem and they overreact and it can become a bit of a, a snowball where it just becomes a bigger and bigger problem. So um, yeah, I. I I, I feel for people that are in that situation. I mean, it's uh, it's a difficult one to be in. Definitely. Okay. I'm not muted. I thought I was for a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I just, I wanted to ask that because I know all employers aren't like this at all. And I know that there are great employers out there, but I know for a lot of people out there too, that when they're faced with problems like this, and a lot of times it feels like your employer is crashing down on you, it is very isolating. And it's also just a new situation and you don't know what to do. So it's, um, this has been really helpful. I mean, I tell, I told you too, I was like 15 to 20 minutes for our show. It'll be fine. We're like half an hour in, I could just keep going, but I guess I should wrap this up a little bit. I mean, if we have more to talk about, I would love to bring you back on, or if anybody out there listening has any additional questions that they want answers to, I would love to bring Dean back on. So you can email me your questions. It's T-B-O-O-R-O-F-F at obswa.com. Email me. We could bring Dean back, hopefully. I know you're pretty busy, Dean, but like, this was great. I feel very educated now. (laughs) I thank you (laughs) so much for all of this. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we wrap it up? 
No, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to to speak to you and your audience, and um, and I would be happy to come back. Um, you know, it's a difficult. This is a difficult subject. It's a difficult um, thing for people to understand. The first reaction that many people have when it comes to anything regulatory in nature is fear. I mean, if you're driving down the road and the red lights of a police car come on behind you, I was a, I was a police officer, and if that happens to me, my heart skips a beat. <laughs> oh my God, did I do something wrong? Am I in trouble? What's going to happen? Right. I mean, and I, and I, I did the job. Um, I think it's human nature for us to be fearful of these things, but I think when we understand more what regulation is all about, I think people will actually start to embrace it and recognize that it's actually a way of advancing the profession. It gives the profession more legitimacy. It's going to be harder to be dismissive of the profession and of the voice of the profession because they actually are a regulated profession and they will be, uh, they will have that voice. That they that they may not have they have a voice now but it's not all of the voice they could have and and being regulated adds that legitimacy and makes it uh, makes it better and I think uh, I, yeah I hope that people will uh, will embrace it and I, I I look forward to seeing how it develops and thank you again for having me on the show it was a pleasure I I loved every bit of it and you know as you said you the more that you educate people the less scary things seem. So I really hope that this is helpful to our viewers and our listeners right now who may be going through a situation like this or similar to this where they don't know what to do. And my heart goes out to you. I feel for all of you as well. And um, yeah, Dean, thank you so much. I mean, I guess I'll just end it here. <laughs> I could ramble. Okay. A long time. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much.